For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Listeners, and welcome to Ohio Mysteries. Paula, Dan, Mike, and I hope you all have had a fantastic holiday. We sure did, as we spent time with our family and friends, like I'm sure a lot of you have. Here at Ohio Mysteries, we have an exciting year coming up for you, as we have many excellent content in the works. So, definitely stay tuned. Tell a friend and a family member about us. Now, let's throw another log on the fire, campers. Let's dig up a new mystery. I'm your co-host Steve Yoder. With us as always is our storyteller and award-winning journalist who spent 30 plus years telling these kinds of stories with the Akron Beacon Journal, Paula Schleiss. Hi everybody. Tonight, meet someone you likely never heard of, but someone who was a household name in his day, not just in the U.S., but around the globe. He was known as the Great Raymond though his family knew him as Maurice Saunders. For young Maurice, his fate was set in 1886 when he was just nine years old. Young Maurice lived with his parents, Martha and William Saunders, in Akron on Fur Hill. His dad was an artist and photographer, as were his dad's two brothers, Addison and George. The trio had a photo studio together, Saunders Portrait Company. But the one brother, Addison, also dabbled in magic, and in 1886, Addison made plans for a tour from Ohio to the Pacific Coast. Unfortunately, a young man who served as his assistant came down with typhoid fever, and Addison was in a pinch. He had no time to train a new helper. Then, Addison thought of his little nephew, Maurice, who often watched him rehearse. Now, Addison just had to talk his brother, William, into letting him take his young son on a cross-country adventure, promising he'd have him back before school began in the fall. It's anyone's guess if there was any arm-twisting involved, but there certainly was none on Maurice's part. When his parents said he could go, He leapt at the chance. What followed were three months of one-night affairs. So exhausting, Addison had enough. When the pair returned to Akron, Addison packed up his magician's tools and went back to work at the photo studio. 
But the summer had the exact opposite effect on Maurice, who spent the rest of his youth honing the trade, practicing everything from magic and sleight of hand to juggling while convincing his uncle to give him his old equipment. Then, at the age of 14, Maurice was off. He literally ran away to join a circus, billing himself as the world's youngest magician. He gave up the last name of Saunders and promoted his middle name, Raymond. And that's how the great Raymond was born. His family had a hard time finding him, but eventually they did, and they managed to drag him back home. Uncle Addison, knowing his influence on the team, hoped to convince his nephew to finish growing up first. But then he took him to see an act by a magician called Herman the Great. All that did was fire up Maurice even more, who told Uncle Addison he intended to become a disciple of Herman. After that, there was no point in holding him back anymore. In 1894, Raymond's grandpa was going on a business trip to Europe, and Raymond, now 17, tagged along. His grandpa thought he might have the chance to delight some small European gatherings, you know, test his skill set. He so amazed his grandpa's friends, they asked him to perform at social gatherings of their own. And before he left London, he appeared before Queen Victoria herself, and then at a second command performance before the Prince of Wales, who later became Edward VII. After returning home to Akron, Raymond decided to try and study medicine. He enrolled at Western Reserve University, and he might have even given it a serious go if it weren't for a new trend that had aspects of both medicine and magic. Hypnotism. Professional ones were springing up everywhere, many of them legitimately recognized by the medical profession at the time. But of course, many more were simply magicians, and Raymond's experience as an illusionist helped him identify the tricks and twists that they were employing. So Raymond gave it a go, putting on magic shows that had hypnotism as the main feature. In time, he was so successful, it was hard to maintain his college coursework, and he had to make a choice. He chose magic. Raymond had made a fan of Major James B. Pond, a well-known entertainment producer who offered to help Raymond book an international tour. Now, you should have a little context because this was the dawn of a new era. Railways and telegraph news were spreading everywhere and great steamships were easily linking the continents of the world. It was really the first time that such a world tour was practical, not just possible. Shows could now be booked anywhere within a few days, and the promised shows delivered within a few weeks. That timing made Raymond the first magician to circle the globe with his full-sized magic show, setting the standard for 
everyone who followed. Raymond, just 21 years old, took along his dad as his business manager. They arranged their shows by cable when en route to places like Hong Kong, Calcutta, and Bombay. Raymond even made the most of his travel time by learning the languages of the countries to which he was traveling so he could comment on the keynotes of his tricks to the audience in their language. This was a little twist that would come to really endear him to his public and made him very popular. Travel itself was mostly free because Raymond would offer to entertain passengers for passage. And on one such voyage, he met Mark Twain, who was on his own world lecture tour. The two men headed off, and Mark Twain even offered to introduce the great Raymond at his shows, telling the audience they were about to witness a true master of mystery, handsome, clever, and gifted. He even referred to Raymond as the Mark Twain of magic. Well, having Mark Twain not only introduce you, but compare you to his own world-famous wit and talent was a guarantee of success. And Raymond made the most of it. He later even billed himself as the Mark Twain of magic. The first world tour was going really well, but it ended in Buenos Aires when the Spanish-American War broke out, and it wasn't a good idea for Americans to be in pro-Spanish countries. So Raymond took his show back to the U.S., and there he picked up on the latest trend, escape acts, and joined the ranks of what the media were calling the handcuff kings. He had done some of that before, but now he made it more central to the show, shaking off shackles on the stage or offering to break out of local jail cells. Raymond's mind-reading feats were equally sensational. In one show, he blindfolded himself, then drove a team of horses through a central business district to find an object that was hidden by a local committee. Such pre-show demonstrations led easily to sell-out crowds. In another act, he would handcuff a woman, put her inside a sack that was sealed, and placed in a trunk. The trunk would be examined and locked by a local committee, then covered by a cabinet, and Raymond, with a whisk of a cloth, would instantly change places with a woman. One very popular mystery was Raymond's Phantom Supper. He would show six large cylinders, demonstrating how each was empty, dropping them into and through each other, and thrusting his arm clear through. Once the audience was confident the tubes were empty, he would seat a table of assistants and start preparing a feast for them, pulling a tablecloth from one pipe, utensils, plates, and glasses from another, napkins and a loaf of bread from still another, and finally, a dinner of roast chicken, sausage, and vegetables. 
Raymond also had in his arsenal a full slate of personal close-up tricks. He could flawlessly produce silk handkerchiefs and flags, pull cooked cakes out of a borrowed hat, and fill the stage with flowers that appeared from empty baskets or rabbits and chickens from empty boxes. He was a true master of diversification. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Raymond spent six years touring the U.S. doing these things, a time during which he'd expanded his show into a full-on extravaganza filled with music, acrobats, dancing, and comedy. And then... When the world settled down, he returned to Central and South America. He employed a linguist to help him with his language skills even more and could give a show in Spanish when he was in Cuba, French when he was in Martinique, Dutch in Suriname, and Portuguese in Brazil. And he even learned German and Italian because he knew Argentina had become home to many immigrants from those countries. On this Second World Tour, Raymond only expected to spend six months in South America, but he ended up there for three years because the demand for his shows never slowed. It did, however, almost come to an early end once, when Raymond was sailing with most of his equipment along the coast of Brazil, and the steamer that he was on sank. Raymond and a dozen members of his company drifted on a life raft for three days, and a storm came along and pushed them even further from shore. They were rescued by a fishing trawler and taken to an obscure port on an island. Since they had lost everything, they had no funds to live on, let alone pay for passage to get them back to the mainland. But a wealthy local planter who had heard of Raymond even in that far-off backwater, offered to loan them enough funds to replace all the lost equipment and get them back to Brazil. By now, Raymond was known for his jail escapes, famous for them. He allowed himself to be stripped, searched, then shackled and manacled in a jail cell which was locked on the outside. The police chief would be invited to retire to his office with a local committee, only to be followed quickly behind by Raymond, who usually showed up in the office in a matter of minutes, scot-free. It didn't always work, but even then, it was as if the fates were smiling on Raymond. Listen to this funny incident. In the Argentine city of Mendoza, Raymond was handcuffed and jailed. 
but his plan, which involved him hiding a pair of keys somewhere in the cell prior to his act, went awry. He planted the wrong keys. He had told the police chief he'd meet him in his office in 15 minutes. But after Raymond realized his faux pas, he could only look through the bars to the plaza outside, where a huge crowd had gathered to await his escape. Twenty minutes passed, and he hadn't even managed to slip loose from the handcuffs, let alone the jail cell. Then, at that moment, the ground began to shake, the window bars quivered, and the people outside in the plaza scattered. It's crazy, but at that exact moment, the town was hit by an earthquake. Now, the town had once been leveled by an earthquake before, so buildings were made of this really light construction, including the jail. And right before Raymond's eyes, the cell's front wall crumbled away, freeing him. He crawled out of the rubble, still handcuffed, but nobody was even around to notice his failure. Raymond rushed to his hotel, which was strewn with fallen plaster, got into his room, retrieved the correct keys, unlocked his cuffs, then marched into the police chief's office to announce his escape. In the chaos of the earthquake, nobody had even noticed these movements. Now, in 1909, the great Raymond took his show to London and created quite a sensation at the Hackney Empire Theater with a show he called A Trip to Spookville. Raymond had been studying mediums, and he put together his own seance. The show would begin with an artificial hand on a square of glass that would tap responses to questions. Raymond was then tied up and placed under a canopy with tambourines, which would strum and bang with no explanation since Raymond was tightly bound. The show would end with a man from the audience joining him under the canopy, a flourish of invisible activity, and then the big reveal when the canopy would be lifted and show the volunteer assistant with his coat and vest off, a bucket on his head, and bells around his neck, work that Raymond would attribute to mischievous ghosts. Raymond got a second chance to perform for King Edward VII. You'll recall the first time was when he was a teenager traveling with his grandpa on business. This time, Raymond went to perform a mind-reading card trick for the king, and it required his cards to be stacked in a special order and shuffled in a way that appeared genuine but did not actually disturb the arrangement. So Raymond had reason to fear when the king politely asked if he could shuffle the pack. Well, Raymond could hardly say no, and Edward did a quick shuffle. Raymond was bracing for the worst as he went through his trick, but crazily, the cards were still in the order they needed to be, and the trick came off. It was only after the show that Raymond learned King Edward's good friend was a card trickster, and the king himself 
had given the cards a false shuffle to help Raymond look good. Raymond stayed in the British Isles for a while, even setting up a workshop in London to work on some new illusions. He managed to put together six completely different shows so he could tour the continent more than once and people could come back for brand new experiences. These were the years prior to World War I, when royalty was still dominant throughout Europe. Raymond performed for the monarchs of Portugal, Spain, Belgium, Holland, Italy, Austria, and Russia. Then he was off to Asia. By the time he reached India in 1912, he was transporting 40 tons of equipment with him, enough for four full shows. He also added a new act he called Noah's Ark. He would reveal a stage that was dominated by an empty ark that, over time, would disgorge everything from doves, chickens, rabbits, and cats to dogs, monkeys, sheep, and goats. And he continued his collection of royalty, appearing before the king of Siam and the Mikado of Japan. Raymond did another tour of the U.S., then back to South America, where he was in demand for two full years before World War II broke out. Raymond didn't even let a global war stop him. In 1916, in the midst of the war, he took his shows to Paris and England. During these years, Raymond's show included an act called The Coffin Escape. Now, to get audiences excited about his upcoming show, he would put his coffin in the lobby of the theater so people could go in and check it out. Well, in the late 1920s, while Raymond was in Spain, there was a local political feud that resulted in shots being fired during Raymond's performance. Apparently, at the center of this feud was a local politician named Hierro. Well, during the shooting, the audience fled the theater while the police went in search of suspects. Hierro, who was in the audience, seemed to have fled as well. Raymond canceled the rest of the engagement in that town, and then his crew went in to pack up all of the equipment so they could move on, including the coffin that was still in the lobby. As the crew stood the coffin up to carry it to the truck, the body of Hierro fell out. He was the one who had been shot in the theater that night, and whoever shot him had hid him inside Raymond's coffin. Raymond again returned to South America. They loved him down there. But this time, Raymond added something new to the show. Raymond again returned to South America. They loved him down there. But this time, Raymond added something new to the show. His third wife. He married a young American harpist named Litska Genser. Litska had been performing with the London Symphony Orchestra when he hired her to join the tour, but he got more than a harpist. They fell in love, married, and Litska joined the show, not only with her harp solos, but in some of Raymond's illusion acts, including being the woman he sawed in half. 
Raymond never seemed to tire of touring. He circled the globe at least half a dozen times. He survived the years of World War II, but only just. Raymond and Litzka had bought a home in England during the 1930s, while Europe was their central traveling area. Soon after they left it to return to the U.S., their home was destroyed by a German bomb. In 1940, Raymond and Litzka returned to Akron to be near family and bought a home at 121 North Arlington Street. He told people, now I'm going to stay home and perform before my own people again. His homecoming shows were a huge hit, and they spent a few years doing engagements throughout Northeast Ohio. But Raymond had to acknowledge that his health was declining. He gave a final performance at Town Hall in New York in September of 1945, and less than three years after that, Raymond was dead. He passed away January 27, 1948, at the age of 70. His widow returned his body to Akron, and he's buried in the city's historic Glendale Cemetery. That's it for tonight, listeners. For photos, news clippings, and more on this and every episode, hop on over to ohiomysteries.com. And don't forget to tune in Wednesday for Ohio Mysteries Backroads with Mike and Dan. Have a great one. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.